Welcome to the Inquisitive VC. Today I'm speaking to Imran Khan. Imran is a core contributor and pilot of Alliance DAO, previously known as DeFi Alliance, the leading accelerator program for crypto and DeFi projects. Imran is also a venture partner at Vault Capital and was previously at Microsoft. We talk about his journey to crypto, how DeFi Alliance formed, Alliance DAO, what he is excited for in crypto, and more. I hope you enjoy this episode. Super keen to start with, you know, how you entered the crypto world, what really got you into it and, and that process that you took to, to start, you know, going full time. Yeah, um, I got into crypto um, roughly around 2013 um, and it was primarily driven by um, there were a few handful of key people that had started to advocate uh, for Bitcoin. Uh, one of one of those uh, leads uh, was Mark Andreessen, and he used to tout Bitcoin all the time on Twitter. Uh, in fact, he came out with a an article that talked about the value proposition of Bitcoin and how it can change fundamentally for the, for the, for the human good. Um, and so I started diving deeper into it and realized, you know, Bitcoin is something that could really solve some of the key issues that we're running to globally and so started to you know invest in the bitcoin participate in the eth ico um i was lucky enough to do you know i went out and uh interviewed and uh did a project for coinbase uh didn't work there uh, but did a project there um and that really kind of gave me the uh you know the understanding of where we are in the space and till, since then, I went joined Microsoft, worked uh, within Microsoft there, and then Microsoft. After Microsoft, we launched uh, Volt Capital with Suna, and then after that was Alliance. Gotcha. Um, and then, how did the, I guess, the concept and idea for DeFi Alliance uh, come across, and how how did you go about, you know, executing on it? Yeah, the the biggest problem back in twenty seventeen. Uh, was, you know, many of the DeFi startups were looking for um, product market fit. And product market fit in DeFi could mean many things, but one is, you know, ample liquidity. Two is, you know, products that actually scale. Uh, and three is being able to uh, grow resourcefully. Uh, and so on the liquidity side, uh, this was a very this is actually a big challenge uh, in DeFi. One, because smart contracts weren't audited. There wasn't really an incentive to provide liquidity, um, which Compound engineered early 2020. Yep. And so we're in this kind of like, you know, uh, period where DeFi was there, but it wasn't growing. Uh, and I found, you know, I live in Chicago and we're home to 60% of the market makers globally. Uh, so we have Jump Trading, Cumberland, uh, and many others that are very active in the crypto landscape. In fact, if you look at all of the industries globally, um, market makers were one of the first to adopt crypto uh, as early as 2012, 2013. And so right. they were pretty savvy to begin with. And so speaking with them um, gave me a lot of insight into why DeFi wasn't on their list of opportunities. Uh, and started to like work with them, I, connecting them to DeFi startups over time. And it turns out Appetite grew both ways. And we had enough demand 
uh, from both sides that we launched the Chicago DeFi Alliance uh, in early 2020. And since then, we've created you know, uh, an incredible program uh, that helps DeFi protocol scale, connect with market makers, think about regulatory concerns, uh, think about product feedback, uh, and then ultimately help bootstrap your network and community. And so that's kind of how we started. You recently went through the change of, you know, becoming Alliance DAO. Um, how did that come about? And, and what was the thinking around, you know, becoming a DAO? And, and how exactly is, you know, the program any different, if, you know, if it is compared to how it was when you were DeFi Alliance? Yeah. Um, you know, transitioning to a DAO, is, you know, it sounds easy, uh, but it's actually really, really hard. Um, and and it, the reason why it's hard is because of you know number one is regulation. So a lot of what a lot of the activities that we do in crypto could be is considered in some sort of like regulatory framework. An example of this is investing out of a DAO. You have to have a structured fund in place that's compliant. Uh, and if you don't, then investing out of DAO just means that you're taking investor capital and you could use it in ways that isn't mandated by a fund, and it's not validated. Or, uh, within the regulatory landscape that you reside in. And so there's a lot of work that goes behind what a DAO would look like uh, from a perspective of jurisdiction and the regulatory landscape there. And then number two is, how is it sufficiently decentralized? What we're seeing today is if you look at the DAOs in the space, many of them, they look like DAOs from the outside, but on the backside or the back, like on the back end, they tend to be you know, structured products, they tend to be just like funds. They aren't, you know, what I call what DAO should look like moving forward. And I think a lot of this is on the regulatory side, which we are, I would say, on the bleeding edge in regards to how we think we should design it. So I would say number one is regulations is one of the biggest problems that I see in, in our transition to DAOs. Mm -hmm. uh, and then number two is what defines the community and how does that community um, interact with the core engine of the DAO? And what I mean by the core engine of the DAO is that every DAO should be a product first DAO. If you're running a DAO with a Discord, a multi-sig, you know, those are great tools, but those tools aren't going to set you apart from another DAO. Um, and ultimately, so the DAO should have a superpower and that superpower is what is it, it allows it to do in terms of monetization. And that monetization will allow the community to grow because there's a, you know, kind of an area of focus for the DAO. And the type of community that you bring on board based on that superpower is also very important. Uh, and so like just opening the door and allowing anyone to join your Discord is, for us is a very big no-no. Uh, yep. It should be hyper-focused on the community that you want to curate and then how will it you know, enable uh, your product to uh, prosper. And so we think a lot about the types of community members that we allow into our, into our program. And I'd say finally, um, it's, uh, it's about the way to incentivize and grow the community over time. I won't go much into details here, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done in a way that's, uh, that both helps the community, but then also it's done in a way that uh, works well for you know the the jurisdiction that you live in got it no super interesting and 
I guess this builds upon uh, something you tweeted a couple of days ago um, that you've come to the conclusion that most DAOs will probably fail. Um, yeah. Is it so that's based on, you know, the points that you mentioned before, but how do you think that will come across and how quickly do you think we'll start seeing like these DAOs starting to fail? Um, I think we won't see any spectacular failures. And the reason for that is because a lot of like most of the DAOs that are out uh, will. So if you look at like if you read uh, Kobe's article uh, regarding Web3 attention, um, attention fades in and out all the time. Yeah. Maybe exciting one period may not be exciting and people forget about it. When I ask people about urine finance um, and and the success that it had in early summer, people have already forgotten about it. Uh, mm. And so to think about like the speed of iteration and product development in crypto is probably a 10x compared to all any other industry. And with that also is attention. Uh, and the way I think about DAOs is similar in that nature, which is, you know, we'll all remember all the DAOs that were launched. And then the next phase, we'll all forget about all the DAOs that launched. Um, and so I think over time, we'll fizzle out on its own and we'll think about whatever is hot next. Yeah, gotcha. I guess on a personal level, what areas are you currently most excited about? There's so many. Um, the first for me is... Um, we're, if you and this is at the prescient with where we with the types uh, the the living environment we're we're in right now, which is the fact that you know governments all across the globe have access to uh, pipes, right? Internet pipes, financial pipes that mm -hmm. can allow just allow people to participate in the global economy. Uh, and and I think this is important because products should be built and it should be given to people. Uh, it, it should have it should be accessible to anyone across the globe. It shouldn't be up to the governments to think that they can uh, allow their citizens to uh, use certain types of products. It isn't up to the governments. It should be up to the people. And I believe all of what happened the past two years, three years since the since COVID, is the continual continuous stress test of why governments shouldn't be allowed to uh, take control of people early. You know their citizens' lives when it comes to financial uh, decisions, whether it's product decisions, whether it's mm -hmm. DNA decisions. And I think more and more founders are seeing this. And so the types of products that, that I'm most excited about is you know, products designed around users first, that's accessible at any point at any time without any censorship resistance. Um, and we're starting to see that today. Uh, there's a company called Glass Protocol that allows uh, you to upload any video um, that you want without any censorship with censorship, without any censorship resistance. So you can upload a video and you don't have to worry about you know being it taken down. Now there's obviously a concerns on the other side of the type of content. And this is where I think community is incredibly important, uh, where they can vote in the type of content that you want or disallow content that is inappropriate for the community. It should ultimately be up to the community to decide. The type of content that you want. So that's the that's just one example of how I think about uh, the types of startups I'm most interested in. Um, there's obviously a lot happening in the NFT space, and and if you think about NFTs generally, 
they create this interesting element on the internet that allows you to collectively own uh, parts of uh, content or ownership of uh, different aspects of what of culture. And so an example of this is music. Music for, for a long period of time has been ultimately owned by record labels. Um, and uh, now if you think about where we are in the kind of music industry space, is the fact a lot of that power is concentrated to streaming platforms. Uh, and I think the next iteration of this is going to be um, creating incentives in a way that allows artists to formally connect with their community directly while incentivizing both to continuously to participate in, in the content that's being derived out of the creator in a way that's aligned with the community as well. Um, and so we're gonna to start to see um, interesting dynamics there, whether it's mm -hmm. DAOs that kind of purchase uh, music DAOs that ultimately own the infrastructure uh, that enables artists to create music and then also monetize music. Um, whether it's just, you know, minting platforms like Catalog that allow you to mint NFTs as a way to create, you know, alignment. Um, but we're going to see a lot of cool things that are going to be coming out of that space, I think. Yep. No, I, I definitely agree. Like, there's a lot of interesting things happening there. Um, and what about DeFi? Like, what are you seeing, like, in terms of new developments within DeFi? I think where we are in the DeFi space is, you know, DeFi has been around for about two years now, right? It was one of the first start uh, sectors to be explored. Okay. And with that mindshare went with all of the different areas it started to explore afterwards. So with DeFi, you started to see like NFTs, then you started to see, you know, bridging infrastructure. Now you're seeing DAOs. Now you're seeing it back into like music NFTs. Um, but ultimately what's happening with the, the DeFi landscape today is um, it's getting more complex. Um, and so you're starting to see uh, more and more DeFi protocols are either looking to aggregate many of these experiences into one protocol or creating uh, exotic products uh, that mirror um, products that we're seeing in, in the traditional market space. Uh, we're starting to see capital efficiency um, being worked on. And what I mean by capital efficiency is if you look at like Aave and Compound, you know, you need collateral to, uh, mm -hmm. you need to post collateral to take uh, uh, a loan out. And, and, you know, many of it is like, you know, between 100, 300% collateral needed to, to take out a loan. But imagine if you could take collateral out on, you know, 50% of, of what you do. So um, there are many startups that are working on this space. Uh, one is, um, um, Spectral, uh, and Spectral ultimately is a startup that uh, will uh, read your wallet history and assign a score of of some sort, right? And this score will allow you to take, uh, you know, what I would call loans that may be riskier for anyone else, but for the person, for this person, he may have great repayment history, and so he can take on a riskier loan. Uh, knowing that you know he has paid off loans in the past, and capital efficiency, I think, can unlock a lot of interesting things. Um, and so, like, if you look at like Ave, you know, Ave has let's say twenty billion dollars in total locked value. Imagine if you only needed ten billion to do, achieve the same goal. Um, and 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 I'll kind of make one more example, which is Uniswap V3. Uh, V2 to V3, huge fundamental change, right? Like you have liquidity. 
um, you're able to provide liquidity on concentration bands, right? Between different price points, yep. which requires less uh, liquidity in order for you to achieve the same uh, efficiency uh, or slippage. And that's huge, in my opinion. Like they went from like 50% in market share to 80% in market share of trading volume. And so just imagine unlocking capital efficiency uh, in regards to all of the other DeFi protocols it can achieve scale. And so I think that's one area that I'm most excited about. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, and when you're looking at a lot of these, you know, crypto companies coming through the program, how do you, how do you assess the best ones that you start to admit in? Is there like specific core things you're looking for, or is it a very case by case basis? Uh, we look for, I mean, there's many areas that we look for when we think about the types of founders that we want in our program. Um, the first is founders resiliency. Um, the fact we do like a, a cultural test uh, to understand uh, the types of founders that would most align with our programming. And what we found is, you know, those that are most resilient uh, are the ones that will continue to succeed without um, uh, without any issues. And the thing is in crypto, it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, let's take Andre as an example. He's been building in crypto for, let's say four or five years, right? And yep. he started receiving a lot of success after the launch of Yearn and then all the subsequent products afterwards. And he left. Um, and not saying this is a, a bad thing, but resilience is needed in order for you to continue building products because, and I'm actually gonna write a tweet about this, but uh, the, if you look at like web three founders versus web two founders, they're fundamentally very, very different composites, right? Yep. Um, web two, you know, their liquidity, like they don't receive liquidity for all the hard work they put in for 10 years, if they're lucky. Mm -hmm. um, uh, customer feedback loop is very, very long. Like for them to just get feedback on a product could take them a year, six months a year, right? Uh, if you think about like um, uh, the community, uh, community is um, like, we call it community, but it's actually not community. They're also your investors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so like, not only do you have to like make them happy as an investor, but you also have to make them happy as a customer. Um, and, and it gets very emotional. I call what I call this is um, uh, uh, customer acquisition strategy on leverage because it could either help you 10X or it can kill your product 10X. Mm. Uh, and so being that close to the sun or to the customers, can be very daunting on a founder because it's just noise for them and they have to be resilient. Uh, and so what we look for is resilience, uh, number one. Number two is um, what we look for is creativity. Um, and creativity can be, you know, out of box. Um, you know, how, like, in order for, for a founder to succeed in crypto, you have to be creative. And creative can mean many, many things, right? 
but uh, it means like, how do you take something that could be very like, let's talk, talk about regulations. Uh, regulations obviously is one of the hardest areas for a founder to build, to build for, because it changes uh, every day, it changes and your life is on the line. <laughs> uh, you could yep. be, you could be jailed. You could be, and, and, and that's happening. Uh, and nobody wants to be subpoenaed. And so you have to create ways where your product is justifiable in the jurisdictions that you live in globally. And then at the same time is able to be successful. And that's very hard to do. Uh, and so we look for creativity. Um, and then when it comes to the product itself, obviously we look at product and the type of product uh, they're building and it whether it fits within the overarching narrative of, of where we are headed towards. And along with that, whether or not the product itself uh, can be validated. Uh, and then number four, I mean, there's many, but I'm just giving you high level of four points. And number four is, um, uh, the team, um, because the team is going to be very important in regards to how you achieve your goals. Um, the way I think about team is the types of people you bring onto your team can ultimately dictate whether or not you're able to solve, uh, execute and solve the problems that are at hand, whether it's hurdles that you're going to be going to through as a team, uh, whether it's um, leadership, um, can the team ultimately source, um, you know, uh, clarity in regards to where they're going to be building and how they're going to be building and can they cohesively build quickly enough so that they can get product market fit, speed, execution, all of that matters. And so team is like number four. So those are like the four areas that, that we look for when startups, uh, apply to our program. Very interesting. And then I guess of the four points. Like one is about founder resiliency, fourth about team. Um, how do you think about you know incentives when you're when you're talking to founders and teams building out these projects? They're in the early days. Um, if you're trying to design like a token specific project, how do you really think about those incentives? You know, now when we see someone like Andre also leaving, like crypto. Um, within a short time frame, right? If we are comparing to web two and, and the development times of having companies and exiting, how do you think about those incentives and having long-term focus builders and teams? Yeah, I think we're quickly learning that, you know, incentives need to be given from a long-term perspective. Um, tokens are great, um, but fundamentally, if you look at what happened in the uh, 1999, 2000 bubble, the internet bubble, um, people, built um, people that IPO'd, IPO'd after building company within one to two years. Right. And we had this, uh, we had this burst. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, what happened? Well, the SEC came in, everyone else came in and decided that there needs to be a prolonged period what, um, where products, companies have to, and there's, uh, there's certain element of like checklist of the types of startups that can IPO, right? And over time that grew, right? So it went from two years to IPO after the burst, it took four, six, now we're at like 10, right? Um, and I think that'll kind of scale into like more to the six to 10, um, seven to 10, um, but that's what happened. And because fundamentally, if you wanna build a, a, 
a company that lives on for decades, then you have to create incentives in a way that aligns with that type of structure. And that can only happen if the founder is in it to win it for the long term. And the only way you do that is prolonging the incentives. Um, so in fact, in our community, uh, I would say within our programming, every time we get asked this question, we tell all of our founders uh, to do it as, uh, to create incentives as long as possible. Um, and so we've seen startups that have said two years, six months, um, and we decided, you know, minimum is four years, minimum is four years. Um, and so every founder that joins our program that, that designed it have done at least minimum four years. Um, and look, I'm an investor, right? Like you say that we're investors and, and we all have our own um, alignment. But for me, we want to build startups that live on beyond our time period, right? And in order for us to do that, we have to create incentives in a way that can do that. And um, we want we want to build multi generational startups. And in order for us to do that, we have to create the right right incentives. I'm interested to hear, like running into our final questions, what would be, I guess, the, the biggest advice you could give a, a new founder coming into crypto? I would, um, and I'm gonna say it because I think we're in the phase where we're getting a lot of uh, Web two founders and FANG employees mm -hmm. uh, coming into crypto is to one, um, before you start a startup, um, uh, get involved in a community, uh, talk to other founders in Web3, find pain points that, that you see fit that could be solved. Um, it's very easy to build, you know, I want to join Web3 and I'm going to build a product and the product is going to be, you know, what's missing, you know, DeFi for everyone. So I'm going to build a DeFi app. Um, funny enough, this is actually, uh, um, I get pitched this a lot. Yep. yep. Um, <laughs> and that gives me a signal, right? The signal is like, you haven't, and not saying this is bad, um, that you haven't spent enough time in crypto or Web3 to uh, understand all the pain points there are because there's so many pain points in crypto today. Um, and so spend time in crypto, learn, talk to other founders that are, have been building a space for a very long time. Find an area that you're most excited about. Don't just build crypto because everyone else is building crypto. Build it because it aligns internally with what, uh, what, with your North Star. Everyone has their own North Star in terms of excitement. My North Star um, is ultimately building uh, for a civilization that doesn't rely on you know, intermediaries and ultimately allows them to access financial products, services across the board without any uh, intermediaries. And I think that's very important moving forward. Um, but yeah, find your North Star and then validate your idea and build out an MVP and the MVP will guide you to the rest. Great, no, I love that. I think those are some amazing points. Yeah. Um, and finally, and I think this might be a little difficult for you, but uh, could you talk about the latest investment you know, you or, or Alliance Dow have made and, and why did you make it? 
Um, the latest investment that we made, ah, I will give you one. Um, it's not public yet, um, right. but I'll, I'll say it anyways. Um, paper.xyz. Okay. Um, they are essentially building a on-ramp, off-ramp for NFT uh, marketplaces. And, and if you look at... Um, if you look at what's happening with OpenSea, um, OpenSea is an incredible marketplace. It offers um, you know, NFTs from A to Z, um, but there's also a lot of issues. Um, and the issues obviously is because of its growth, right? Everybody yep. is demanding the same level of support, but when you have, you know, let's say 25 million people that all want access to the same product, obviously there's going to be you know, some disruption in the, the product that's being delivered, um, which is a great problem to have, in my opinion. Um, and so over time, the way I see that NFT marketplace or NFT space is that it will unbundle. It'll unbundle in a way that is going to bring uh, NFTs in different verticals. Um, uh, it's going to bring it to life. So what I mean by that is, uh, if you look at all, uh, if you look at the ge geography all across the globe, um, NFTs mean very, very different things in many different regions. Um, and it, yep. here, here's a cool signal that, that I saw, which is Azuki's, right? Mm -hmm. Azuki's in parallel attracted East, Eastern investors and Western investors, right? Yep. That was quote unquote, the first uh, NFT that brought both communities together. And it also tells you something else. It also tells you that most of the entities that we that had uh, success didn't attract the uh, Eastern communities. Why yep. is that? Well, they have a different culture, right? They have different visual aesthetics that they're attracted to. They have different values. And if we're talking about NFTs being cultural phenomena, then obviously culture is going to become a large part of uh, how we see NFTs. And if that's the case, then we could, you know, we can easily deduce that NFT, like OpenSea could become unbundled and we'll see different geographic marketplaces. Yep. Uh, and then we'll also see different verticals. You need a checkout solution that allows anyone to buy NFTs in two steps. And, and so that's what Paper solves. Paper will allow anyone to create a checkout solution that allows them, their customers to purchase an NFT and check out in two to three steps. Um, and this is a big problem today. Like you need on via on ramps, off ramps. You need, you know, reg, you need certain types of licenses. You need, you know, different infrastructure that's provided, and being able to create it a, a, a like easy out of the box solution that allows any developer to write a few lines of code and create an, a, a checkout space is very powerful. And so, paper is one of those investments I'm very excited about. We did recently. Very cool. No, I I definitely see it, and it sounds super interesting. Um, and that's, uh, that's all the questions I had for today, Imran. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Um, really appreciate your time. And I think we've learned a lot today about, you know, Alliance and, and your thinking around a lot of the interesting things happening in crypto. Where's the best place that people can find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, um, at L-M-R-A-N-K-H-A-N. It's an L instead of an I because, uh, the I was taken. So, um, <laughs> uh, ended up 
capturing uh, that Twitter handle, but you could probably type it in Rancon Alliance DAO and you'll, you'll see me come up. Okay, fantastic. Um, we'll put those in the in the notes as well. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for jumping on. Yep. Likewise. Thank you.